0: This podcast episode entails a discussion about suicide. If you or someone else you know is experiencing thoughts about self-harm or suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That is 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text 741-741 to reach a trained counselor. Additionally, Cal State East-based Student Health and Counseling Center has a list of resources that anyone can check out. This includes safety plans to allow someone to remember their resources and coping strategies when in a crisis. Thank you so much for listening. Join us for episode three, centered around the topic of mental health, featuring an interview with former pro skater John Rattray, led by the executive director of Skate Like a Girl, Kristen Ebeling. This is McKenna Duda, your host. I'm a Cal State East Bay alum, former collegiate, now recreational runner. And I just recently earned my bachelor's degree in kinesiology. Here, we'd like to serve our audience by educating and also inspiring y'all to feel empowered through sport, social justice, and skateboarding. All athletes, skateboarders, and fans of sport and social justice are welcome, like a girl, and the Center for Sport and Social Justice at To kick off today's episode, let's take a few minutes to be mindful. I'd like to share a tip from Dr. Jenny O., oh, an associate professor of kinesiology at California State University, East Bay, specializing in learning and performance psychology. Imagine this. You just finished a run at Lake Chabot. It's really hot outside. The sun is beaten. You can feel your t-shirt sticking to your body. You're dripping with sweat and breathing pretty hard. You're leaning over a bench, stretching your legs, when a really fit person stops beside you to take a drink from their water bottle. They look at you and say, wow, you're sweating like crazy. You look really gassed. They then smile and continue on their way. Take a second and think. How would you interpret what the person just said to you? What do you think they meant? Most people have a framing tendency. We tend to interpret information and experiences in either a positive, neutral or negative light. Some people will have interpreted what the other runner said in a positive way, perhaps thinking, cool, they can tell I was working hard, or I must have had a really good run. Other people may have taken what they said just as neutral information. Yep, I am sweating and I am gassed. Others, however, may have interpreted what was said negatively. They're saying I'm fat and out of shape. These three possible interpretations are in response to the exact same experience. Someone saying, wow, you're sweating like crazy. You look really gassed. Based on the situation described, you can't actually know for sure what the person actually meant when they said these words. You just placed meaning on what they said based on your framing tendency. This really highlights the power of personal perceptions when it comes to our ability to stick to and get the most from health behaviors, and routines, especially when we're just starting out with them. Cognitive behavioral scientists in kinesiology have studied various ways in which the mind and the body work together to influence if, when, and how we move. One thing we know is that people with more positive or neutral framing tendencies tend to have better adherence, effort, and yes, success within a given sport or exercise context. Why? What we think About sometimes influences how we feel about the situation and about ourselves in that situation, which then influences our decision to put ourselves in that situation again and how we will act in that situation in the future. So, if you have negative thoughts and interpretations about something, an example is that run sucked. It was so hard. I can't do this. It is going to make you feel negative emotions. Example anxiety, shame, uncertainty which then is going to lead to a less than ideal behavioral choice or choices because you want to avoid experiencing those negative feelings in that situation in the future. Next time, you may choose to run slower, a shorter distance, or you may choose to make the chances 0% that you experience those negative feelings again after a run because you're not going to run again at all. The good news is that if you are a person who tends to interpret things negatively, you can use this negative framing tendency with intentional and consistent mental management using the CRTC method. C. Catch yourself making a negatively framed interpretation. Wow, I can't believe I am so winded. I am so out of shape. R. Reinterpret the situation in either a neutral or positive way. Yeah, I'm breathing hard, but that just means I worked hard enough to actually benefit from my run. T, take note of how you feel now that you have reinterpreted the situation. Perhaps you feel proud or energized. C, commit to what you'll do next time. Next run, I'm going to run at least as hard as I just ran, if not a little bit harder. Using The CRTC method consistently over a period of a few months can help you rewire your brain such that you become a person who interprets things more neutrally or even positively, who experiences less negative and more positive emotions, and who makes better and more effective behavioral choices to enhance their own personal health and wellness. Give it a try. When participating in a sport, your physical body is in use, but so is your mind. They are interconnected. Some positive benefits in choosing to play a sport include improved concentration, regular goal setting and readdressing, plus an acquisition of discipline within a structured setting. It is when there is a disconnect between the body and the mind when sport can reap its consequences. Think about eating disorders and disordered eating poor body image, and lack of confidence. Hence, bridging the gap between physical and mental toughness by not only providing tools to create a fit body but a fit mind is so important. Let's make sport a positive vessel for implementing a beautiful change within society to support athletes and their mental health alongside their physical health.
1: What's up, everybody, Uh, fans and friends of sports, social justice, skateboarding, and all that. I am Kristen Ebling. She and her pronouns. I'm the executive director of Skate Like a Girl, and I have the pleasure of hosting my good friend, John Rattray, today here on the pod. So a little bit about John. John is a former professional skateboarder from Aberdeen, Scotland. In his early 20s, John rode for the legendary Blueprint Skateboards before making the big move to California, where he joined the handrail-chomping, gap-slaying crew over at Jamie Thomas's Zero Skateboards. If you're not a skater, you just got to trust me. Zero was like the coolest brand in the early 2000s. Like everybody was obsessed with Zero and it's just so iconic. So yeah, he's a big deal in skating. And anyways, a decade passed filled with video parts, tours, signings, photos, interviews before John's sister tragically took her own life. This event prompted him to quit being a pro skater. In 2017, six years after his sister passed, when the Syrian gut-wrenching pain of losing someone so close to you had finally settled in a little, Rattray embarked on an annual fundraising quest for mental health in memory of his sister, Katrina. So John, welcome to the pod. Uh, where are you joining us from today?
2: Thanks, Kristen. I am in Portland, Oregon, southeast Portland.
1: Awesome. How's the weather down there? Is it looking better this springtime or what's the what's the it's, facts?
2: It's been really beautiful the last few days it's chilled down a little bit bit There's clouds coming in i think it's going to rain for a few days now but then it will open up again and should be nice but yeah it got warm so starting to see those uh summer days starting to creep back in
1: nice gotta love it um so let's get things started here what sport are you not good at but wish you were and why
2: yeah. Thanks for sending those questions ahead of time. So I could give like a few minutes. <laughs> thinking. I'm not really too bothered about being good at sports in general. I tried going running the other day for some reason, just because I feel like I to get some cardio, get the blood flowing and I'm not managing to ride my bike as much as I'd like. It was really bad running. It's a terrible, I, was going as I was going to pay, I was like listening to the guided run and I was going to this pace that I felt like was doable. But then the guide said like, if you are not feeling good right now, you need to back off your pace, just back off. This is not a run for like trying to beat, win, you know beat records or set time, this is about just having a good time running. And I was mm-hmm. thinking to myself, yeah, it feels terrible. <laughs> but then I backed off and the only place I could back off to was just walking again, I was just walking. I was like, that's how slow my pace was. So that's where I'm at with that. In terms of a sport I'd want to be good at, I thought, I think I've also said gymnastics is pretty awesome, but the rigor that you need to go through to like get really good at that is just off-putting. So yeah. Yoga. Yeah. yoga, I think yoga is where I, I landed. Like <laughs> I think if I could get really good at yoga, that would be kind of awesome because of what it does to your well, for the subject we're talking about today, for what it does to like your physical health and gets you gets things flowing, gets the blood flowing, and you know your lymph system moving and all that, I think that that would be one that I, sh- I would like to get back into and practice regularly and get good at.
1: Yeah, I know I'm slipping on my yoga game when my like bonelesses are looking too stiff.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and <I> mean, <laughs> certain moves, like I don't know, I I used to be able to still fish pretty damn good, and I don't mm-hmm. know even know if I can get there anymore. That's a reach. <laughs> yeah.
1: For anybody uh, out there that doesn't skate, fish is basically taking one of your hands and reaching down um, in between your feet, but kind of down by your heels. Is the amount Back. of stretch you got to yeah. do? Yeah, behind you. Yeah. So
2: Back. it's quite have, like quite you stretch. have to contort your legs a certain way so that you can get into the position you need to be in. Yeah, it's a, it's one for the more limber, the more limber <laughs> people out there. I'm not quite. sure. Yeah. Totally.
1: Yeah. I find running really hard as well. I think just because of years of skating, I don't know if that's, I just feel it in my knees and my ankle yeah. so bad.
2: <laughs> yeah. my I I don't, I, I didn't even feel like I, I didn't twist my ankle or anything, but when I woke up the next day, my ankle was really sore from, the, yeah. from running. It's like, and I was wearing some running shoes, you know, which are supposed to have, you know, they protect you a little bit, but I think the old body just is not, not cut out for it. Oh, there's a the dog, of course.
1: Got a furry friend over there. Awesome. Um, so, John, I know you've done a lot of work with uh, Mental Health First Aid, which is a national program to teach the skills to respond to the signs of mental illness and substance abuse. I actually attended this training with you um, a few months back uh, that you helped put together for some key folks in the skateboarding community. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Mental Health First Aid and why it's important to you?
2: Uh, Yeah, let's see. I mean, mental health first aid is, it's a curriculum, I think was originally developed in Australia, and then it's been adopted, certainly in the United Kingdom, the NHS uses the mental health first aid curriculum. Um, And in the United States, the the same or very similar um, curriculum is is handled by the National Council of Behavioural Health. Um, and it's essentially just a set of, it's a tool that you can use to kind of understand the various ways that mental health issues, problems, and crises will present so that you can be more observant. And then there's a five point action plan that they, um, have. And I think different organizations over time have developed their own different acronyms for their five point plans or their four point plans, but. This one is A L G E E algae, which is doesn't it's not the greatest acronym ever, but it's um, valuable in terms of what's what's in there, and it's just you know a mnemonic that you can use to remember: Hey, A is um, assess for risk of suicide or harm, self harm. L is about listening non-judgmentally. Um, once you've assessed and you've observed that somebody may be struggling. G is to give reassurance and information as best you can. Um, and then E, the E's are encourage appropriate professional help, which is, you know, comes with its own set of challenges. And then, yeah, you know, there's another E for encourage self-help and, and other um, support strategies. So um, there's various sort of ways that we can learn to kind of navigate our own minds as they as they fluctuate between states of relative calm and the crisis that we can get ourselves into because of all the crap that life throws at us. But that's essentially the mental health first aid program and their kind of action points. And then, yeah, like I said, there's different different versions of similar approaches by private organizations and a couple other orgs out there in the world, but that's the one I kind of gravitate to I think based on a guidebook that my friend Mike that runs one of the skate parks back in Scotland he'd got because the skate park there is kind of affiliated with the, the local um, the city council mm-hmm. so they'll have programs that are um, city ordinated that or um, um, they work back with the National Health Service there so they have like the professional work um, guides that come in and take people through the programs and you know, their staff members a city organization, so they have to be um, accredited and qualified. I got the guidebook from the NHS from him, and then did the course, um, the mental health first aid course for youth that you and I did together. Before that, mm-hmm. I did one for adults, um, adults as you might say here in uh, <laughs> Portland at okay. the the Line for Life, the crisis center, and that's where I got the guidebook for the, the American version, which is pretty similar.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. And do you want to talk a little bit about like maybe what your impetus was for like bringing that to the skateboarding community specifically? Like, I mean, the folks that you have kind of brought into the training are a lot of like team managers, industry leaders, professional skaters, like, like why?
2: Hmm. Yeah. The, um, I guess the reason for the reason for bringing the idea of mental health, self-care and awareness and, you know, stigma reduction and all that to skateboarding that's sort of just symptomatic and simply because I'm a skater and self-identify as a skateboarder and have for most of my life now and so that's the community I feel most closely connected with and that's the you know the people I first and foremost would want to help outside my own family most of my friends most of my close long-term friends I know through skating so that that's that I'd wanted to do something to raise awareness and fundraise for some of the professional organizations working in that sector for a long since my sister passed in 2011 she spoke about in the intro there and then once I felt sort of capable mentally and had some tools like the Just Giving platform didn't exist in 2011 I don't think it's you know there's certain like online tools that have come up since then that sort of make this type of um activism i guess more accessible and doable and democratic which is cool but yeah when i sort of started to piece it together and like oh i should do something to raise some money and i skate and i ride bikes so let's just put all that together and um my cousin works at the scottish association of mental health so there's an organization i'd like to work for you know fundraise for initially so that all just organically came together and yeah i just i'm a skater so i wanted to do it with within the context of skateboarding first first because it's somewhere to focus
1: definitely yeah and you know for folks that are not super familiar with the skate community it's also i'd say important to note that like there have been a few skaters you know recently um, that have died by suicide. And like one of them was a, you know, closer friend of mine, um, Sean Modighetti, Modighetti from Seattle um, and, you know, Ben Ramers and Henry Gartland more recently. And yeah, so it's definitely something that we're not immune to as skaters, you know, there's such an image of like us being like tough or whatever, or like something like that, or like immune to anything and we can do anything. And so much of skate culture has this ethos. And I just, I kind of wanted to ask you, like, do you think anything, um, there's anything inherently wrong with skate culture or how it's sort of become a space of, you know, some might call it like super macho or like toxic in a way, or people have described it in a lot of ways, obviously as a woman, I've experienced, uh, this on, you know, and in a different regard, but I just wasn't sure, like your thoughts on skate culture and how it may play into like mental health, uh, the lack of support and mental health in the past and how that might be changing.
2: Yeah, that's a tough, it's a hard question, and I I cannot, yeah, I can only really think through it, I guess, from my own point of view, as, you know, white male who was pretty good at skateboarding, so that's a whole different experience to, like, you know, Kristen, like you said, as a female in skateboarding, And mm-hmm. and, I, and then do you mean to ask in skate culture comparative to other youth subcultures or other sport cultures that there might be or?
1: Yeah, I guess I just feel like, is there, is there anything inherent to skate culture that you think would, you know, potentially, um, you know, be a space where there is more, um, rates, of higher rates of suicide or, or lack of mental health inherently in skating? Or do you think there's really nothing different about, like the skate community compared to like the greater community?
2: Yeah. I don't think that there's nothing different. I think that there's certainly some unique factors. I can't say for sure though. I don't know. It'd be awesome for some university cohort to get together and do some massive body of research on it. But intuitively I would think that, you know, you get involved in skating because you don't feel like you fit into traditional or mainstream sports or whatever maybe and you gravitate to skateboarding because of that i don't know if there's a higher instance of kids from like lower lower you know lower income households or broken households or whatever there may or may not be I, i couldn't say that for sure versus other sports or other subcultures but um to your point about the super macho type deal
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking like
2: the point about that. And then there's a point about kind of the party lifestyle that goes along with skating and maybe like, Hey, just have a beer. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. Have a beer like that doesn't help. Going skating can help as long as you're skating. And then, you know, that allows you to be mindful to a certain extent and stop the ruminating thoughts you may be having. As long as you're then processing what those thoughts are doing as well, you need both i mean we're maybe jumping ahead a little bit but
1: yeah totally
2: culture yeah the the matcha thing but i i hope and i think that that's starting to evolve and that's starting to change when i see more articles coming up and i see it talked about on social media so much and it's happening across the board not just in skate culture either so I i think historically though yes i think that we weren't great at talking about it certainly on the male side i don't know you know in the in the in the female scene or the non-male scene in skating. I don't know if that was different from your point of view or if you, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I think people are a little bit more like open to that conversation per se. I just, I just feel about skaters. It's like, you gotta be like gnarly and go down a big handrail and like, you know, you skated for like the company that really epitomized that zero, you know, just big gnarly stuff, you know? And I was just curious at your thoughts on like kind of being a part of that culture, if like, you know you felt like that was a safe space to talk about your feelings or definitely not you know and yeah I was just kind of curious about that but
2: well if we put it back to that context and I think about being on tour with the crew I I would say not I wouldn't say definitely not not by Mm -hmm. any means and for a lot of the time I was you know yeah for a lot of the time I was on tour Keegan would be there we kind of more joke and laugh a lot than talk about emotional stuff but but I think that we could get, you know, we could get deep. Nice. But I don't well, know. That good the, to know. <laughs> yeah. It, it was never it was never something that I feel was actively like discouraged to talk about. It's more you just didn't talk about it as much as maybe we should to be healthy. Mm. I don't know. Gotcha.
1: And that's maybe that's, a,
2: a, that's maybe a symptom of the bigger cultural kind of vibes that there are around mental health rather than specific to skating. I mean you know.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like at least as of lately, obviously the topic of mental health is like pretty big in skateboarding right now. We saw it at like the Pushing Borders conference. There's been like, you know, the emergence of the Brandon Ramers foundation, but mm-hmm. also you started the why so sad campaign. And I don't know, um, you know, we're skaters and I'm aware of it, but could you, ex- you know, just give of a quick overview of like what the why so sad campaign is and all the different parts of it and what you're able to create.
2: Yeah, I mean, right now for the last couple of months, at least, it's been on the on the back burner a little bit from where I've been. But uh, I guess that's what we were talking about earlier. I started it's essentially a social camp, social media campaign to like raise a bit of money and raise some funds and have a, com- a have a dialogue about mental health and um, get people sort of thinking about it front of mind and understanding that it's okay to talk about it and recognizing that there's resources and you, you know a net. you have a network of friends to, to the point we were just talking about where you, if you're not sure you can talk about it when you do you you find that people are open and receptive i generally have yeah and um or and if you yeah meditate a little bit on it you can kind of get a sense of who in your network is more approachable on the subject because i wouldn't say that everyone's comfortable with it it is a tough subject to talk about so totally. there's people out there to do it. But anyway, the point was I started that this campaign on this basis of eggplants and the pun was the good egg. Cause it was about, you know, raising money and doing something good for something. Um, and then the pun became sad plants because I was, I mean, sad plants at first because of the word sad. And it's like, I'd been reading the work of Johan Hari quite a lot. It's a really kind of well-researched journalist, I think by trade, um, who's written a lot on the subject of mental health, depression, um, the pharmaceutical approach, and then the various factors that kind of, um, both social and biological that come, you know, play into what results, you know, the, the result that is our mental health and our emotional response to the world we live in. He's amazing. And his, um, one thing he said at one point was that um, if people are expressing a sort of negative mental health state and they're going through some sort of crisis, often you can trace it back to some unresolved kind of trauma that's happened in their past. That same theme plays out in Richard Heckler's book, um, Waking Up Alive, which is about suicide survivors. And he's a, he was a counsellor in the Bay Area for years um but the point being that you, it's the the quest if you ask the question what's wrong with you it's kind of the wrong question you should be asking what happened mm. what happened in the past to you that you haven't been able to process that's now resulting and manifesting in this way and so so you know it's kind of a good way of just being really sharp about what's the question you need to be asking to solve the problem that we're trying to solve and so that became what's happened to you is like the simplest way of saying that is why so sad? Why are you so sad? Think back what happened? Mm. That's where it came from really. And then it sort of sounds a bit flippant, but you know, if you take it seriously, it's actually a serious question. So that became this, Hey, well, it's sad plans and then sad grabs and there's a play on words and some fun we can have in that and skateboarding at the same time as trying to find a lighthearted way into a tough subject, basically. And that's that totally. and on Instagram. And there's, you know, people have submitted sad plans to me last year and we made a video and a collage and did a board with real. That was awesome. Raised some money, did an event and made a video that lots of people got to watch and got their brains thinking about the subject and hopefully like kept the dialogue going and gave people some new ideas about how they can approach it and where they might get some help or different ways of thinking about their own mental health. And Then we did sad grabs, and the sad grabs one—that's the one that's kind of like I had it going for a second, and then I don't know if Mm -hmm. you've been into a a situation like this in your life, Kristen, where you just get you kind of hit a wall, and you're like, I need to stop this for a while. I need to just focus. Like I've got too much, and so kind of dealt with other stuff, and then I'm getting to the point now, especially now that the weather's starting to pick up, and kind of work starting to be like sort of settled. I've Mm -hmm. got a groove going on. But, hey, this summer, I think maybe we pick that back up, especially if we can get back out and do in-person stuff. That was another thing, right. like took the wind out of the sails. It's just yeah. unclarity, lack of clarity of like, are we actually going to be able to go on a ride or meet at a skate park and have a thing where everyone does sag grabs over, you know, the barbecue or whatever we want to do to have a bit of a, a fun event? And that kind of slowed me down. So...
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to feel super inspired right now. I mean, if we're thinking about our mental health, that's awesome that you had that boundary. You're like, I just don't have the energy for this right now and have other stuff I got to take care of. And it's always okay to set something down and pick it back up when there's the vibe is there. So that's cool to know that, you know, maybe there could be some more. Uh, Wind in the sails this summer, if uh, if everything aligns.
2: (laughs) So the sails are still there. I just need to, the wind will pick up again.
1: Yeah, the wind will pick up for sure. (laughs) Um, For folks that are listening that, you know, don't skateboard, can you describe what a sad plant is, eggplant, sad grab? Because to me also, I'm a street skater, so I don't even know the difference between a sad plant and eggplant, I don't think.
2: (laughs) So just going
1: to roast myself humbly.
2: (laughs) Most well, of the youngsters that don't. And I realize that I'm kind of older every day when I'm talking about, I talk about movies as if, as if everyone's seen them and it's, you know, there's kids that haven't seen RoboCop. It's like crazy. <laughs> um, and uh, what I think? Egg eggplant is not hand plant. So if you go up a ramp and, you know, you try to go and in, invert it upside down and you generally grab the rail of a, of your board to hold it on your feet and you plant one or the other hand down, you know, whichever hand is not grabbing the board, you'd plant down. So eggplant, you go up and you, this is difficult because you turn backside, which is another term that needs to, to explained. So don't worry about it. You just you turn so that you're facing down into the ramp, grab with your trailing hand, the toe edge of your board. You can, it depends if you wrap your arm around your leg, that's tuck knee. If mm. you put your hand between your legs, that I guess is stink, stink bug, I guess they yeah. call it. That's yeah. you know, where <laughs> these terms come from. I think a lot of these come from... Probably teenagers. <laughs> you no, know, These terms come from Teenage Lance Mountain and Neil Blender for the most part, I think. Yes. They've invented all, most of these strange names. But, um, and you plant your leading hand. So you kind of have to air into an eggplant. It's kind of scary that way. Bench mm. rotors, bench rotors is one of the best at them. Um, and then lion's has really good one. So that was the good egg. And then sad plant, you grab with your leading hand and you plant your trailing hand. So it means that as your board's going up, you can plant your hand quicker. And what you have to do for a sad plant is really straighten out your front leg entirely. Lock that front knee if you can. You'll roll your back foot on the tail to make it look all awesome. Um, Jeff Grosso had one of the best ever. There's a picture of it that Bryce Knight shot in the video that we made. Um, R.I.P. Jeff. And that's the sad plan. It's all about that front straight front leg. And then there's the sad grab, which is the street version. Which I think Nat has had a picture in Trans World shot by Grant Britain back in the day. And the it's over this the asphalt bank in one of the schoolyards. Think he's wearing his Public Enemy T-shirt. It's looking good. And so he's side grab, so he's grabbing behind his front leg with his leading hand, and he's straightening his front leg out. And that's the straight front leg is like the signature of a of a sad move. And then that got reinvented as the melon grab, based on the word me- oh, melancholy, okay. which means sad. Oh. Which I can imagine Blender being a wordplay kind of guy. Maybe I don't know Neil very well, but. He seems like he would play with words and be like you know sad it's like melancholy grab. and then just oh, i never right i never there.
1: put that together i was thinking like watermelon or something like that or just like yeah people think that
2: and then yeah that, but yeah, it's short cap-
1: for melancholy that cap- wow
2: that caption on the um Nat- picture is ollie to sad air aka melancholy you can that's look so up, sick look up, <laughs> on google. look up on google <laughs> if, just google natus trans world grand britain or something you'll see the picture you can if you see the one that's scanned from the Mac, you can zoom in and you can read the caption. Fun, so fun, sick. fun little activity to do.
1: Nice. If if folks want to watch your why so sad campaign video where you're biking around and doing a bunch of sad plants and aerials and all that stuff, where can folks watch that video?
2: Thrasher put that up. So it's on Thrasher's YouTube channel. You can search why so sad thrasher magazine.
1: So sick. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I was curious, uh, if you had a magic wand, like what would you create in the skate community to better support mental health for all skateboarders? Clearly like, you know, that's your passion. That's your community. Like you could do anything. Uh, What would you
2: do in infrastructure wise or some sort of system support system or something like that? I, I haven't got the answer yet. Like I, did we, I think we spoke earlier about how like, different brands and different orgs are doing stuff they're doing stuff here and there and there's there's but it's in it's there's nothing cons, there's not a consistent approach so I feel like a consistent approach is good because then over time more and more people can kind of know what it is and know where to start so I, I don't know what that looks like but it's I imagine it would be a proper partnership with some hate, like big org, hate like formal organizations. So I I don't know. I don't know, Kristen, I don't have the answer to that. I think that just if there was if there was access to information and people had a sticker or something if they'd been through the mental health first aid training, and so you could know who was an approachable and safe person to speak to about your feelings. And people would remember when their brains get into that state that they can get into where their brains are tricking themselves into thinking that there's no way out. I wish that more people could just remember that grain of light that is, hey, this is my brain, you know, going malfunction right now. It can get better. I know it can get better because, you know, thousands of people have been here and have made it through. And I can too. I I just I'd like there to be a way that people could remember that more readily. Because that's awesome. Because we see it still happening and it's 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 like doesn't need to, I don't, I don't believe.
1: Yeah, I think I think what you said was beautiful. I think the idea that, you know, there'd be some way of knowing who was safe to talk to about your feelings and your thoughts, depression, anxieties all of that and that there's, you know, access for everyone to take the mental health first aid training so that they know how to, how to like serve their peers. So I honestly, it sounds like there wouldn't need to be some big organization, but it would op- operate more like in like AA or NA where there's like sponsors and yeah. you know, you have folks that are there to support you. And there's, cause I think what's beautiful about skateboarding um, is the intergenerational community and the mentorship that naturally happens yeah. with folks that are teaching tricks and learning. And it's like, could we add, mental health support as part of kind of what's naturally built into skating in that way which kind of sounds like what you're describing so
2: yeah I think basic. I agree with that it's it would that would be it. and then ideally like you there is no I mean when I say a safe person to talk to that implies that some people are unsafe to talk to about it I don't think right that yeah. It either it yeah would, it would be some people were maybe not as equipped to and to know for somebody that's experience, is experiencing a crisis, to know that that's the case and know that it's okay that somebody is not ready and don't take that as like it because what your brain can do is put that back on yourself and then it's like some self negative reinforcing thing that's sort of defusing that as well as I don't know how to work that into the culture, but the more education and the more sort of talking that we do about it, hopefully propagate and stick.
1: Totally. Yeah. I I got faith in the next generation. That's what I always say. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I wanted to ask you if um, you had like a mentor or coach or anyone in your life that was like a really positive influence on you. Um, Kind of thinking back to the training that we did uh, with Mental Health First Aid, this was one of the questions that we were asked initially, because that's for a lot of people, that X factor of having that person you can talk to sort of built in. But yeah, I was just curious, like if you had that in your life and if you wanted to share a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And when I read that, when it was written down, when you shared the questions earlier, my head didn't immediately go to where it went when you just said it and as soon as you were saying it i was like oh yeah like what we were learning which was super interesting i thought um and as we were going around the, the room or the zoom room that we were on it was like every single person talked about the local the person that ran the local skate shop or worked at the local skate shop and i think it was the same for me my friend gary who i'm still really close with from glasgow scotland was a mentor and a uh, confidant and a help he worked at um NBC Jamie Blair that ran clan skates over the other side of Glasgow was awesome and a mentor and helped me a lot um Jeff Justin that worked there other older other older friends my friend Toby was a mentor and a positive influence and a help and with somebody I could talk to about this type of stuff Andy as well um Andy went on to be a doctor and an osteologist and then toby at the time ran the he didn't run the skate shop he ran the um bargain bookstore and now he's a he's a um pretty successful fine artist nice uh, but there's 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 quite a number of people through skateboarding those are the ones that kind of stick at I mean, from those formative times when you're like late teens early 20s When Mm -hmm. your brain, your frontal cortex is still forming your brain hasn't fully developed at that point. And, you know, not that life gets easier, but you know, it's a, it's a weird transitional time then.
1: Yeah. How did they, how did they show up for you just as being like your friend or do you have like any particular instance of like how they really like had your back or anything like that? Like just one example, I guess.
2: Oh man. Uh... Gary had it uh, Gary's got a good philosophical point of view on life he's a little older than the crew not too not too much a couple of years older so he had a little bit of perspective maybe sometimes um i don't know i don't know if it's something we want to put in That there was there's one time we're out skating and we're walking somewhere in glasgow and there's and one of a random small crew of kids is walking towards us um, up to no good, we assume. I assume they were up to no good because one of them just reached up, this like turned to me and spat a big bunch of spit right in my face as we were walking by. No, that that is two things. And then he had a can of mace or whatever that he was like flashing. So they were like looking for a rock basically, and um, you get really angry when somebody does that. Uh, I uh, and so and then as a young you know, macho tail drop and skate, I, right? you know, you think that you're going to fight, but you're only 140 pounds and five foot seven or whatever. And it's probably not. A good <laughs> but Gary was like, Ke- keep walking. He grabbed me. He was like, just keep walking. Let's keep going. And he said, his life is punishment enough. <laughs> and I was like, that's a fair, that's a fair point. You have to think about the perspective. Like what drove drove that mm. kid to feel like he needed to do that to some random person in the street. What sort of shit is he going through at his home that makes him that angry that that's how he's sort of, you know, responding to the world that he's living in? It's like, yeah, yeah, he's probably got worse things going on. So that was that was sort of the way that Gary would kind of uh, put things in perspective was was helpful.
1: Yeah. And just kind of like leading with compassion and stuff like that. Actually, when I was sharing about my mentor and in that same training space, that's like basically what I brought up to is my mentor showed me how to think about things from a different perspective and to show compassion for other people above everything else and to not judge. And yeah, I think that's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It was exactly that. It was that like thinking about it from, you know, put yourself in some in his shoes and think about that. So, Yeah.
1: Cool. Um, yeah. So I was curious about like your personal like health and well-being and like, you know, mindfulness and being connected and being present is so important to mental health um, in, in a day and age where so much screen time, so many distractions, so much stress, crazy stuff happened in the world. I just wanted to hear from you, like, um, what are your mindfulness tips or what do you try to practice in your own life to stay healthy?
2: I ride my bike, I play my little frame drum and strum amateur guitar chords and make rhythms. Rhythms on the guitar and the drum is like really quite one of the best ways I think of being able to like focus your thought, not your thoughts, focus your attention so that your thoughts can just do, you know, go away for a while. Mm. But then being able to actively do that is pretty interesting as well. I used the headspace app a little bit. If you've heard of that one, there's a few different, same big headspace
1: user over here,
2: (laughs) different ones. The Andy guy that kind of runs that's got pretty good, um, amount of content in there and and guided kind of meditation ideas. And he always grounds it in some practical sort of problem you're trying to solve and then takes you through a little mindfulness sort of breathing exercise and focus and noting your thoughts and starting to get into the habit of recognizing what your brain does all the time we get into these like repetitive habit or habit thought patterns that can send you down emotional roads you just don't need to go down because yeah. It's, it's yeah a lot of what we think is just it's um kind of automatic you know so it's kind of starting to recognize that that's just what your brain does. And it's not all thoughts that you need to respond to, but if you don't notice it happening, sometimes your body responds to it and then you're feeling all anxious and, you know, and it gets into a vicious cycle. So learning that mindfulness stuff a little bit, I'm not that great at it, but I practice it as much as I can. As soon as Kim actually earlier said the word mindfulness, I find myself like stopping and breathing in through my nose I just did it naturally when I heard the world. Yeah. Like, yes, we must be. And you breathe in, and you start to regulate your breathing. In through the nose is super important because of the the structure of your sinuses. Apparently, is like oh, make, wow. it, it makes the air better, and it goes through all the little nuances of your sinuses and filters. And don't breathe through the mouth. Breathe in through the nose nice
1: i didn't i I never knew like i've done yoga for years no one has ever explained to me why you breathe into your nose i was just like well i guess it's just what you do when you're a yogi or (laughs) meditation but yeah
2: just because it's better so that that mindfulness yeah drumming a little bit and guitar is helpful skating to a certain extent when i can get skating and sort of have a decent session Mm -hmm. but like we were saying earlier like All of those things are great as long as you're sort of like also learning to notice what your thoughts are doing when your thoughts are rattling on and you know doing their things that can be can be positive or negative.
1: Yeah. One one thing my therapist, just on that same topic, one thing my therapist had me do was write a note in my phone to remind myself who I am. What are the things I like about myself? Oh, you know, am I a nice person? Am I kind? Am I inclusive? You know, I wrote down all the things that I am because when I am having, um, doubt, self-doubt or that kind of that spinning thought and I'm all whipped up, um, in my emotions and feeling really negative. If I read that, it honestly is like a reset. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I'm not this horrible, awful person that doesn't deserve to exist in this world. I actually have a lot of purpose. There's a lot of, you know, I do do a lot of good in this world and I'm important, but it's so true. Your brain can ride off the rails. Um, pretty easily if yeah. you're not doing so hot. So yeah, that's a really good point. And I just wanted to share that.
2: That's awesome. Um, did, did, yeah. she have you, did, did she have you write down goals that you have when you're in a good mind state, write down your goals as well so that you can remember, oh yeah, I have things to get done, I have things to live for.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, for me, the the goal setting aspect is never an issue with me. I'm such an overachiever. It's more just what my achievements are rooted in. Are they rooted in a personal desire or is it from a people pleaser? I have to do this for other people, Mm. that type of role. And that is where I can get into a lot of trouble because if I make my whole life about pleasing other people, I'm never serving myself and there is a conflict internally. So for me, I try to make it less about goals and achieving and more because that's what i naturally do (laughs) and i feel a lot of pressure to do so my my goal with my wellness is to do less and to be more present um more generally yeah so
2: that's a good goal too yeah
1: yeah i i gotta slow down i'm on the i'm on that end of the spectrum
2: absolutely no i'm with you i'm with you i will i tend to drive pretty hard and i will burn myself out Mm -hmm. and that's kind of part of what we were saying earlier like i needed to chill for a little while and the so sad thing will pick up again and hopefully we'll yeah. have some fun with it and, and raise some money and awareness this summer maybe but
1: totally i mean if you're running an organization about you know regarding uh mental health you know you got to you got to take care of yourself so way yeah. to lead by example
2: <laughs> you no know, put your own oxygen mask on first as they say
1: Yeah, exactly. You got to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks, John, again, for joining us today. This was an awesome chat about mental health and how you've uh, brought a lot of the conversation around mental health to skateboarding, but also resources and support. So thank you for doing what you do. Um, Super stoked uh, to see what you create in the summer with Why So Sad.
0: This podcast was brought to you by Skate Like a Girl and the Center for Sport and Social Justice at Cal State University East Bay. It was produced by McKenna Duda, Kim Woozy, and Kristen Ebeling. The music is by Marby Miller. A big thank you to Dr. Matthew Atencio and Dr. Missy Wright for their support.